0: What do y'all know about fox fires? My family has been visited by fox fires on multiple occasions. My paternal grandmother was raised in the 30s and 40s by her uncle and his family in the hills of southeastern Oklahoma, part of the Wachita Mountains. And looking back on my memories of her and the stories she's told, it's clear to me that she had the sight. Her uncle's farm had a creek on it. And the road into town crossed the creek by an old wooden bridge that was visible from the front porch of uncle lewis's house the hill folk were all extremely self-sufficient most would only go into town with their pack horses once a month or so to buy salt sugar flour and coffee and it got to where my grandmother could predict when she would see certain neighbors head into town there was a particular old man who would always stop and wave at her at the bend in the road near the bridge one day she saw the man head into town and they waved at each other but she didn't see him head back home that day. That evening at about dusk, she noticed this ball of light bobbing back and forth at the bend in the road. She told her uncle about it, and the next day, he went to investigate. He found the old man's body under the bridge. He had been robbed and beaten to death by some assholes from town. Fast forward about 40 years to the late 70s, early 80s. My grandmother has grown up, married a small town businessman from just across the Red River in Texas, and had three children. My father was the youngest. Her children were married and having children. My parents had been married for a year or so, and my grandparents helped them buy about a hundred acres. My parents allowed my grandparents to build a small open cabin in the woods on the back of the place, behind the mobile home my parents lived in. This cabin became THE family gathering place on the weekends especially during the summer. One summer night, my entire extended family, including my mother, who is the most pragmatic, practical person I know, was gathered at the cabin, sitting on the screened-in front porch, listening to the wildlife and looking at the stars, when they noticed a light bobbing through the trees. It would pulse and dance and move along about head high. It circled the cabin for a while and vanished. Later, They got the call that my grandmother's mother had succumbed to ovarian cancer. Fast forward another 35 years. I was visiting my parents in Northeast Texas. We live on about 100 acres and raise cattle. The way our place is laid out, our house is tucked into the corner formed by two neighboring properties, one to our north and one east of us. The house butts up against a small stock pond right on the fence row of our northern neighbor. There are trees in the fence row that act as a windbreak. In the summer, we don't have any window coverings since we live in the country. My mom likes to be able to see out. I'm laying in bed and looking out the window, up at the stars. I currently live in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and we can't really see stars there, so it's always a treat to come home. I noticed a pair of bright blue-white lights zooming up over the trees in the fence row. At first, I thought I was seeing fireflies or lightning bugs, depending upon where you're from. But I quickly realized that the lights were the wrong color for phosphorescence. Not only that, but they looked like they were about the size of my fist, and they moved entirely too fast to be lightning bugs. They pulsed and danced through the tree line. Then they split up. One of them went around the back of the house toward my parents' room while I watched the other dance. Then they joined back up and zoomed off toward the west. This happened about a month after my maternal grandfather passed away. I like to think that he and my grandmother came back to check on us. Hi, I'm Jamie Markey.
1: And I'm Michael Tatum. And this
0: is Ghoul Intention. First full episode of 2020. True. It's very exciting. Oh, fun. Yeah, look at this. Uh,
1: where does the time go? I
0: had to start new files. Order. 2020
1: files. <laughs> 2025. It's exciting.
0: It's very how exciting. long
1: will it take you to stop writing 2019 uh, on forms Ooh, when you have to fill out the, like whatever, like when you write a check? Who writes checks anymore? Right. You know, like whenever you have to write the date down, say, what, like on a timesheet. Right.
0: Studio, or deposits.
1: Or deposits. Percent. Like how long generally does it take you to catch so up? The no. Period?
0: That was my 2019. Um, uh, resolution was to never write 2018 again <laughs> uh, like instead of 2019 was to like get it from the first and so I focused on it and I did it right
1: Oh, so, that, so you, I'm gonna try it, it again to it, 2020. I guess good 2020 is easy to remember oddly it is. I mean, it's just like it was a
0: great television show great starring te- Barbara it's, Walters it's also
1: good eyesight to have it is it's efficient. Uh, I it's used to have that. Have. Yeah. And, uh, so the, it's, like it's the best you can Yeah. And so it's like, it's already its own little thing. It's its own little construct. So that's no, right. oh, 2020. That's right. But it will take me forever to accept it. I think I, I still write 2015 sometimes, but that's more right. out of wishful thinking than anything else.
0: Go back. <sighs> go back. Oh, if only I want to go, back. Um, go <laughs> way back. Way back. Way, way back. That's right.
1: Uh oh, we should say that today's oh. episode title.
0: Oh, oh wait, first, thank oh. you, Paige, for oh, writing yes. the submission. That was awesome. That's we so loved good. it. I love and
1: very, um, the
0: the fox fires. It's topical. Yeah,
1: very topical to what yes. we're discussing today. So
0: thank you for sending that in. Your and timing was today,
1: impeccable. Um yeah, impeccable timing. What is it about people named Paige? I don't know. I mean, they're just they're just the best. I love them. I guess. Um every page I've ever known has been amazing. So why if we've we ever have a daughter. I'm going to name her, we are going to name her Paige.
0: uh oh, mm, That's nice. Mm, mm. It was okay. my grandmother's name. Oh, so, well, she you're was partial.
1: fucking awesome, so yeah. there you go. Anyway, so today's title is called Book of Blood. Book of Blood. Uh, which is relevant for multiple reasons, but it comes from the Clive, the Clive Barker uh, no, series of short It's like an omnibus of short stories or like mm-hmm. novels of his called Books of Blood. And the quote is, everybody is a book of blood. Wherever we're opened, we're read. Yes. bit of a dad joke but it's, it's a really dad funny joke, which is and...
0: also applicable <laughs> yeah, when we guess. get to my story really yes. okay yes.
1: it makes me think of the old groucho Marx quote like outside of a dog a book is a man's best friend because inside <laughs> of a dog it's too dark to read <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good
1: joke uh, i mean it's i love a dad groucho joke. marx what do you want <laughs> yeah that's good
0: stuff
1: groucho Marx was everyone's weird dad yeah uh god he'd hate if i said that but one of my heroes anyway
0: yeah so good
1: so shall I just jump right into mine? Because it's it's long and it's convoluted, it's winding and twisty Well, we're dying to and, know what and, happened.
0: I've been wondering uh, me since too. last week. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't have a lot of time to recap what hey, we went into. Hey, this one took a year
0: to finish. We started it in 2019. We're finishing it in 2020. I mean, it's,
1: it's spanning decades. It is! <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I love um,
0: numbers. So,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is truly one of the weirdest stories and it's still ongoing as we'll see. So, the return um, of the the, the, the the return goblins. of the Kentucky Goblins. Just sounds like a really shitty football team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... Maybe or maybe a great football team, I don't know. But uh, my chief sources are Planet Weird, Mysterious Universe, Wikipedia, two books, The Secret Cipher of the UFOnauts and The Secret Rituals of the Men in Black by Alan H. Greenfield. Another book called Alien Legacy by Geraldine Sutton Stith. And the documentary series, most importantly, Hellier Kentucky, which is so far- Hellier, Hellier Kentucky, which so far is in two seasons. Mm. Um, it can be. I'm not this, sure. The
0: documentary is called. There is,
1: yeah, the documentary is called oh. Failure, Kentucky, and it's by. It is by this Greg Kirkland fellow whose story this is.
0: Did you tell Jack that?
1: Uh, no.
0: Oh well, we should tell him. Oh well. He so. Hey Jack. Where he? <laughs>
1: well, tell there's him. a documentary not far taking place right now, possibly not far from where you grew up.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, like, super fucking close.
1: I mean, yes. Yeah.
0: There's there's a
1: lot of interesting uh, cross relations in, I know. in this story. Uh, and so, little
0: not so green men and Jack.
1: Little not so green men. That's that not true at, at all. And Jack. I I wouldn't be surprised if like we hypnotized Jack one day and he remembers. Oh yeah.
0: But I will say, little green men. Weird not coincidences so green. is when I was looking and researching my topic. Mm-hmm uh i was looking up other kind of cryptid stuff which we'll get into but <laughs> the first thing that came up was a description of your fucking goblins mm-hmm. and i was like michael this is not a you. nude this is not a nude of a famous man this is just a story oh, about goblins
1: man. we'll accept it anyway it's true
0: um it's not the yeah, same you have
1: no nudes there are no nudes this round sorry i didn't i didn't this chance did not afford me to to find any nudes of my own uh while researching the story oh. so i think next time my next topic um I don't know what it's going to be yet. I seldom know right. until the following week. But follow the nudes. I'm going to follow the nudes. <laughs> <laughs> Just what a friend of ours calls his uh, his ramen noodles when he's making noodles. He's like, "Hey, you want my nudes?" And you want I'm my like, nudes. <laughs> "It's a loaded question." Follow anyway. the nudes.
0: <laughs> follow the nudes.
1: All right. Anyway, so. <clears throat> Then again, for those of you that wanna skip this part because you haven't listened to the last episode, I highly recommend you listen to the last episode uh, in order to kind of catch up because I'm not gonna have a lot of time to recap There's because there's a lot more story. Right. And And for those of you that haven't yet heard that episode, uh, or, or have heard that episode, but haven't gone back to listen to the original twenty episode thirty five twenty five whatever the, the the story you tell, which yeah. is about the original uh, our original hot take on the Hopkinsville, uh, Kentucky goblin incident. That you should probably listen to that too. It's we, there's a lot of callbacks to it, of course. Right. But so, <laughs> <clears throat> just getting right into it. When last we left Greg Kirkland of Planet Weird, he was reeling from what appeared to be coordinates sent to him by someone using the nom de plume Terry Wrist. Yes. Now, Wrist's email had been cryptic, literally. Word salad. It's probably a better description of it. There were spaces between random characters. There were elementary misspellings, references that made zero sense. When Greg posted the email to Planet Weird for feedback, contributors suggested its style and tone recalled that of several threatening letters sent to UFO researcher John Keel mm-hmm. back in the 60s. John Keel, you remember, is the guy who wrote Mothman Prophecies yes. and many, many other books. One of the one of the better known and most contentious of... Um, Cryptologists, cryptologists cryptozoologist. he wouldn't call himself any of those things, he'd just call himself John Keel because he was a difficult fucking man,
0: yeah. um,
1: but brilliant. One such typewritten letter composed by the international bankers, as they preferred to call themselves, included the following. <clears throat> Mr. Keel, it said, let us warn you now that the year 1968 AD will have the color black as its symbol. So, Mr. Keel, be extremely cautious and do not take much interest in things that do not concern you and others. We are a very powerful organization, Mr. Keel, and can make things very uncomfortable for you and your friends who try to find out too much about Phase One. Three or anything <laughs> concerning other parts of the universe.
0: Phase two is fine. End
1: quote. Yeah, I guess they're fine. They like they're like yeah, fuck it. Phase two Phase is really two. just kind of there to throw you off the scent anyway. Now Kiel just so happened to be doing research for the Mothman prophecies at the time. Okay. Or at least for the book that would become Mothman prophecies. I don't know that he knew it was going to take the shape it did then, because Mothman prophecies came out about a decade later.
0: But he was into in, some uh, shit at the time. He was
1: he was doing research on the string of UFO sightings that were going on okay. in the U.S. at the time that was like just grabbing all the headlines. Ooh, and the
0: Mothman has been seen several. Times. Times in oh, yeah. the Chicago area recently uh-huh.
1: too, as anyway, recently as, as 2017, as a matter of I've
0: fact. I've heard within the past year. Oh shit! Yes. Oh goddamn. Okay. So okay, anyway,
1: so sorry. That's gonna we, that's a tangent we can't afford I right know, now. We sorry. Can't. Sorry, you have so, things now. So compare that letter to Greg's email from Terry Wrist, where he says, just to requote what I said in the last episode. Hellier was just a symptom. The ink and black are isolated still and third order MIA. Bear in mind for every door closed, a window must be opened. The door is closed, the window is open. Use the numbers." Incoherent, but undeniably similar to the tone of Keel's shadowy antagonists mm-hmm. decades earlier. Now, as a quick aside for my money, the style suggests that the author may have been trying to flout some surveillance algorithm keyed into certain words. Words like hellier, window, numbers, whatever. That's not to say whoever wrote it wasn't fucking out of their mind, but right. that they there believed, was a point. Rather than just being an outright it that they believed that they were onto something. Now, going back, Greg Kirkland's adventure had begun in April of 2012 with a fellow named David <laughs> reaching out to him.
0: Sorry, I just laughed at this idea of somebody being like, I'm going to put these codes in. And the people get it. They're like, we don't know what the fuck that means. And so and he like, puts all this like, work into it. And everybody's like, what a weirdo.
1: It's kind of, <laughs> I mean, in that, in kind of the Catch 22, it's like, I want to make sure no one understands this which means the person I want to understand it probably won't, I won't understand it. Um,
0: <laughs> but I'm gonna put a lot of work into it.
1: <laughs> I wonder how many times that happens in just everyday communication. God knows it happens to me. I wouldn't I be me. too overt. so knows. Uh, So Greg, Kirtland, Greg Kirkland's adventure had begun in April 2012 with a fellow named David reaching out to him for help through a defunct ghost hunting site. Now David, it seems, had hauled stakes with his family to rural Kentucky earlier that same year for a little peace and quiet only to have the idyllic setting shattered by a series of bizarre events reminiscent of the infamous 1955 Kelly Hopkinsville incident. Now, Greg treaded lightly, figuring David was either delusional, delusional or an outright hoaxer. When Greg asked why David thought he of all people could resolve his problem, the man claimed he'd been led to Greg through a mutual acquaintance, someone named Terry Rist, All well and good, except Greg knew no one by that name. Greg soon dug up two interviews with someone using that pseudonym. The interviews were published back in the 90s by Alan H. Greenfield for his books, Secret Cipher of the UFOnauts and The Secret Rituals of the Men in Black, easily two of the most esoteric and bizarre studies of the UFO phenomenon ever put in print. The books include, among other things, full-fledged thalamic rituals purportedly devised by Aleister Crowley for contacting aliens. So not. Oh, that's
0: the 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 spells for aliens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We
1: it. touched on it last time. Yes. Now Terry Wrist in those books claimed to be a retired military operative charged with a very unusual assignment: flushing out a network of secret underground alien bases throughout the southeastern U.S.
0: But what military?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um...
0: <laughs> a military of what? <laughs> it's I
1: mean, I mean, in his interviews, he claims to be part of a team. And that, like, he, he, if you'll recall, he talked about going down to this mine and seeing little oh, right. with the little gray men with a net, and he shot one of them, and they exploded, and the other one kind of made his gun burn up, and blah, 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 blah. And then he got out, but the other one guy didn't, and the, the only other person that got out died of leukemia a year right. later, even though he was in his mid-20s. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so David... Uh, the guy in Hellier, Kentucky, provided Greg with photographic proof of his otherworldly visitors, but before long, the emails stopped. Greg assumed he'd scared his pen pal off by by contacting Hellier law enforcement to confirm certain elements of his story. Then, out of the blue, a year later, Greg received an email from Terry Wrist himself. Mm. The image attached showcased a string of numbers scribbled on plain white paper. When Greg entered them into Google Earth on a whim, the hair on the back of his neck stood up. Whoever this Terry Wrist fellow was, He knew the exact terminus point of an expedition Greg and his teammates from Planet Weird had conducted in secret the year prior at Brown Mountain in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. What does this have to do with anything? Well, North Carolina's Brown Mountain is among the hottest of UFO hotspots, at least according to aficionados. Indigenous tribes have been weaving tales of strange lights haunting the area since well before Europeans set foot on American soil. According to some Native American traditions, these lights are the souls of warriors slain in battle. To others, they're little people from another place that are Mm. best avoided. Whatever they are, however, they have baffled people since time out of mind and they're still being seen. Wow. Now, according to Wikipedia, quote, the lights can be seen from the Blue Ridge Parkway at mileposts 310 and 301 and from the Brown Mountain Overlook along North Carolina Highway 181 near Jonas Ridge. Additionally, good sightings of the lights have been reported from the top of Table Rock and Wiseman's View, both located in the Linville Gorge Wilderness. Uh, One early account dates from September 24th, 1913, as reported in the Charlotte Daily Observer. A fisherman claimed to have seen, quote, mysterious lights seen just above the horizon every night, red in color with a pronounced circular shape. Soon after this account, a United States Geological Survey employee, D.W. Stewart, studied the area in question and determined the witness had simply mistaken train lights for something more mysterious. That's nonetheless what they always say nonetheless the reports of odd lights continued and a formal and a more formal U.S Geological Survey study began in 1922 which determined that witnesses had missed had misidentified on- automobile or train lights fires or mundane stationary lights however according to a marker on the Blue Ridge Parkway a massive flood struck the area soon after the completion of the USGS study all electrical power was lost and trains were inoperative for a period of time thereafter. Uh-huh. Several automotive bridges were also washed out. The Brown Mountain Lights, however, continued to appear.
0: I bet they did. It's On just any... Paige's family visiting other family.
1: Right? From back east. <laughs> On any given night, Greg writes, you can hike up to Wiseman's View and find uh, diverse groups of people waiting for the UFOs to appear, some of them recounting the time the lights hovered just above them, or the strange government men who would sometimes appear and question them about their experiences. Here come the <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not, yeah, we are get there. Um, <laughs> according to a 2016 article written by Micah Hanks for Mysterious Universe, UFO fever gripped the popular imagination throughout the 50s and 60s. Accounts of the Brown Mountain Lights made their way into newspapers all over the country. Some people claimed not only to have seen the lights, but to have interacted with them. Mm. One such witness claimed he had proof that the lights were alien in origin. Entrepreneur Ralph Lull, spelled L-A-E-L, operated a rock museum and gift shop off Highway 181 near, near Morganton, North Carolina. His story was bizarre indeed, writes Hanks. Lil claimed that he'd been kidnapped by beautiful aliens, female aliens, who led him to an underground cavern beneath the region. There, they explained that the lights were a byproduct essentially of their extraterrestrial power sources. Lil published an account of his rather whimsical alien abduction tale in a pamphlet available at his outer space rock shop.
0: <laughs> oh, a rock stop with <laughs> if that weren't enough
1: If that weren't enough, and here's it gets even crazier, Lale Lale Lale, whatever the fuck his name is claimed to possess a full-fledged alien mummy, which he kept on display in the <gasps> bathroom heard of, of this his guy. shop. Yes. Sometime in the late 1970s, researcher Timothy Green Beckley visited the area and managed to take one of the only known photos of the quote-unquote alien. Hanks is understandably skeptical of the tale and <laughs> the goes on to- <laughs> and goes on to make a strong connection between Lale's supposed alien mummy and a little remembered folk artist named Homer M. Tate. Tate's style was rather interesting, Hanks writes, if not a bit macabre. As the story goes, he would actually head out into the desert and gather little bits of bone, animal teeth, fur, and other things, and incorporate them into what, at times, became rather lifelike mummies, which he would then sell to collectors and owners of roadside attractions and museums.
0: It's like pressed fairies. (laughs) Exactly. Like, it's morbid, but... Right, but it was
1: kind of a thing. There was was apparently a, a there was a demand for them.
0: Press a flower, don't um, press a berry.
1: Some of Tate's mummies were based on Egyptian themes, while others were vaguely Tarzan-esque, clad in loincloths, much as Ralph's alien mummy appears to wear in the photo taken by Beckley. Still others were described as little men from Mars, which seemed to further borrow from the Edgar Rice Burroughs motif that Tate incorporated into his fantasy folk art. Now, Hanks believes Lell's story borrowed heavily from old Appalachian folklore, particularly the little people of Cherokee legend. His outrageous claims fed pop culture's appetite for secret underground alien bases, and he made a buck or two off of it, as anyone would. It just so happens, for our story, however, that Micah Hanks, a UFO researcher, and North Carolina native, um, and the one that wrote the article about Laila I just mm-hmm. read, is also a good friend of Greg Kirkland, the hero of our story. Ah! Oh. Now when Greg Kirkland and his team trekked to North Carolina to film a documentary about Brown Mountain in, in early 2012. The
0: secret one, mm-hmm, okay.
1: They enlisted Micah's help, this was, some t- this was some time after David from Hellier, Kentucky seemed to fall off the face of the earth and seven mm-hmm. months before the cryptic emails from Terry Rist. Right. Not only was Hanks nice enough to offer his expertise on the subject, Greg writes, he shared a secret with us. He knew where the entrance to this fabled alien cave base was supposed to be located, and he'd take us there, cameras in tow. In October of 2012, we set off for Brown Mountain. Micah was clearly not entirely on board with the alien cave base theory, and truth be told, neither were we. But in the interest of a fun adventure, we met Micah at the base of the mountain and set off in search of the hidden cave.
0: I like their spirit.
1: Right. right, I mean, I would fucking do this.
0: Adventure! When
1: I asked Micah how he'd heard of the secret entrance, he smiled big, leaned in, and half whispered so everyone in the van could hear, a psychic predicted it. Ah. As, he hiked into, as we hiked into the forest, Micah laid out the vision that predicted natural pillars pointing to the sky on the side of Brown Mountain, well off the beaten path. Below these stone pillars, the psychic said, sits the entrance to a cave. To the casual explorer, the cave looks like any other, but deep inside it would hold a secret passage that would lead deep into the mountain, and if followed, eventually open up into a facility that housed extraterrestrial technology. Now, the expedition's absurdity was not lost on any of them, nor was the danger. In fact, one of the team members nearly tumbled off a cliff to their death, trying to scramble up a trail, yet improbable as it may sound, their daring do paid off. What? Deep within the treacherous landscape, a cave flanked by two massive stone natural pillars emerged before them precisely as described by Micah's psychic friend. Quote, we followed the faint trail into the cave opening, but were abruptly met with an obstacle. A massive smooth stone slab was blocking our path. It was clear that the giant slab wasn't part of the mountain itself. Jesus was in there. (laughs) And and looked almost as if it had been placed there. Through the small gaps between the giant stone and the cave wall, we could see that the opening continued into the mountain, but try as we might, we could neither budge the massive slab nor squeeze through a gap. If this was the secret entrance to an alien cave base, we couldn't find the lever, and trust me, he says, we looked. We spent the rest of the night at Wiseman's View, watching the brown mountain lights rise up from the mountain. Dance through the trees. Wow. I think they should have waited for three days. I know. Um, <laughs> it would
0: have rolled away.
1: <laughs> now, when Greg discovered that Terry Wrist's GPS coordinates pointed to the exact spot on Round Mountain where he and the team found the cave seven months prior, he was dumbfounded. No one else should have known. Was
0: Terry the psychic?
1: The location had been kept a secret among the team members to preserve the documentary's integrity because they didn't, frankly, know right. what they were going to get. Yeah. And so, and they didn't really do anything with it. Terry Wrist never wrote Greg again. Mm -hmm. Shaken and convinced Terry's insertion into the proceedings must point to some connection with the Hellier, Kentucky incident described by David. Greg tracked down Alan H. Greenfield, the only other man he was aware of to have ever spoken to Terry, excepting David himself. He laid out the bullet points of the case in an email to Greenfield and hoped for the best. Greenfield responded. Terry was a friend of mine for many years, he wrote. I haven't heard from him since the mid 1990s. Terry was a pseudonym he came up with, which he no longer uses. Regarding the cave angle, Greenfield advised caution. Such locations are for real experts and there are safer ways to make contact. The best approach is one of detachment, he writes. One should cultivate not being afraid. Fear intensifies their power. Indifference disempowers them. Mm. He added... Just stay out of mines and caves. Dangerous on-site investigation is best confined to the household being allegedly
0: victimized. I want to just stop there and revisit. Just stay out of mi- c- caves and mines.
1: Mm-hmm. And throughout the article, where much of this comes from, by Greg Kirkland, he he makes he t- goes yeah. he's he takes pains to tell like readers stay don't out. fucking don't do this. Do it. it's, 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 it's so an, dangerous. It's so fucking dangerous. If you're a pro, it's fucking dangerous. Yeah. Um. So it's not for yeah. Just sit back and let us tell you the stories. That's right. Um. Uh, Greenfield said, treat it like an, ap- uh, he said, sorry, go back a little bit. Just stay out of mines and caves, Greenfield wrote. Dangerous on-site investigations are best confined to the household being allegedly victimized. Treat mm-hmm. it like an apparition case or a poltergeist case. Oh. The overlap between such cases is greater than most conventional ufologists think. They are in fact differing perceptions of the same thing. Now in further just emails- writing
0: down, fuck a mine. <laughs> Fuck, Fuck a cave. cave. <laughs> okay. That
1: to the list. In further emails, Greenfield described how his own excursion to Brown Mountain in the 70s ended with an elegantly dressed stranger at his motel room door denouncing Ralph Lael as a moonshiner. Fucking random.
0: Just because um, you're a moonshiner doesn't mean you can't see aliens. <laughs> right? I bet it increases have, your chance.
1: It might. Um, Pinecone liquor. See all kinds of shows. You can
0: clean with it, Um, and you can...
1: (laughs) So what's all this this have to do with the Kelly Hopkinsville incident of 1955? Well, Greg spent the better part of three years piecing together a broader picture that might illuminate the mystery of the Kentucky Goblins. A watershed moment came when friend and colleague Jeff Waldridge gave him a copy of Alien Legacy, a a book by Geraldine Sutton Stiff. Now, Sutton. Name sound familiar? Yes. Unlike 90% of what one finds in the trackless desert of secondhand accounts on the Hopkinsville incident, alien legacy has a pedigree. Geraldine Sutton Stith is the daughter of Lucky Sutton, one of the original eyewitnesses, who in fact took several shots at the creatures from the farmhouse.
0: From the farmhouse. Mm -hmm. The original Kentucky Goblin story.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: interestingly, Jack is friends with some Suttons. Right. So we're still trying to figure out. Yeah, if we want
1: to kind of do some the I mean, right sentence, like, contact but... like. Now, upon her father's death in 1955, Geraldine took it upon herself to clear up the misconceptions surrounding reports of his experience. Greg felt compelled to contact Geraldine after reading the book. He mm-hmm. writes, "On September 30th, I finally got Geraldine on the phone to discuss the parallels between her family's case and the 2012 case, in the hopes that it might rattle something to loose. It worked." Mm-hmm. While we both thought the similarities between the cases were certainly chilling, it was the odd differences between the encounters that struck us as particularly intriguing. Uh, chief among these, they agreed, were the creatures themselves. The beings fended off by the Sutton family in 1955, uh, August of 1955, and those that terrorized David in 2012 shared many traits in common height, hairlessness, skin color. They differed, however, in several key respects. The Sutton goblins sported large, bat-like ears and glowing eyes, if you'll recall. David saw no ears to speak of on the creatures plaguing his family and noted that their eyes were black and oily. One family member, right? One family member having seen a UFO seemingly crash land in a neighboring gorge prior to the goblin onslaught that led the Suttons to uh, believe, Sorry, let me back up.
0: Right. Um, Take that a little bit slower. <laughs> Try to follow.
1: The, the Just before the goblins started coming toward the farmhouse, uh, the Sutton family farmhouse on right. that August night in 1955, one of them had, uh, I think it was Elmer, had stepped outside to get mm-hmm. water from the pump well or to pee in the yard or both and had seen... Um, this craft that left, left kind of this oily rainbow contrail in the sky that looked like it was crash landing in a neighboring field. Mm-hmm. Um, in retrospect, that made the Sutton family think, well, whoever, whatever these fucking things were, they came from outer space. Compare that to David, who insisted these things were coming from the entrance to the a entrance mine to the at mine. the edge of his
0: property. The oil is mm. the like difference and -hmm. Same similarity, yeah, just in different ways, right?
1: Right. Now, another detail: the Sutton goblins left no trace of their presence, save for a patch of softly luminescent earth not far from the house, which could have been explained as some kind of fungus that does sometimes occur in that area, though not often and not under those conditions. Right. David's tormentors left vivid three-toed footprints, and he managed to catch capture what looked like one of them in a photograph. Photograph, yeah. Right. Now, in their conversation, Geraldine told Greg that a strange man showed up at her door one afternoon out of the blue and shared with her what he maintained had been his father's deathbed confession. According to him, the night that Sutton home came under attack, he, the man's father, had been part of a team from nearby Fort Campbell sent to retrieve the wreckage of a UFO. that <gasps> Not far away. The debris was recovered and hauled in secret to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Now... Parsing out the distinctions, Greg asked Geraldine to humor her. What if, he said, the creature's ears weren't actually ears at all? What if they were part of some kind of helmet? In fact, what if the creatures were in some kind of suit? It might make sense of the glowing eyes and the tin can sound when Lucky and Billy Ray shot at
0: them. Yeah.
1: Greg goes on to say, The pieces were starting to fit, even if we were jamming some of them into place, but it wasn't until I mentioned wrists, coordinates to the Brown Mountain Cave base that things started to really click. Geraldine mentioned that there were some similar stories emerging from Eastern Kentucky throughout the years, tales of a mountain with a hidden base, a hush-hush military presence and mysterious lights in the surrounding sky. People who live there see all kinds of strange things, creatures, lights, they even talk about feeling the mountain humming sometimes, she told me. People go missing, never to be seen up there again. It's called Black Mountain, but they used to call it Lynch Mountain. Greg typed in the name, Lynch Mountain. I feel like mountain
0: Black Mountain is better than Lynch Mountain. Yeah. It was probably...
1: I don't like that those names are connected, though. to be honest with you. Well,
0: you know what, I'm gonna say there's a Brown Mountain, there could be a Black Mountain, let's, you know.
1: Yeah, that's, I'm just, cool just with that. Just forget that it was Lynch that's, Mountain.
0: That's, that's a terrible I am but,
1: glad it's not called Lynch Mountain. Yeah. But uh, Greg typed the name Black Mountain into Google Earth. You're never gonna believe this, he said to Geraldine. Black Mountain is literally just down the road from Hellier, Kentucky. (gasps) Ah! The connections were starting to come into focus. The prevailing question being, of course, how did the creatures first seen in Hopkinsville in 1955 vanish without a trace, only to crop up decades later, hundreds of miles away? Then Greg recalled something Alan Greenfield slipped into his warnings about taking the investigations underground. The cave system sprawling beneath Kentucky is enormous. It's Mm -hmm. one of the largest systems in the continental US. They've mapped nearly 400 miles of underground caverns in the region and barely scratched the surface, Greg blurted excitedly to Geraldine. Do you remember if there were any old caves or mines near the Sutton farmhouse? Geraldine said she didn't know, but that she'd check with a friend who worked with the county. Several hours after we hung up the phone, Greg writes, a message from Geraldine appeared in my inbox. Guess what? She said, (laughs) he said he heard of a cave.
0: I love this dynamic of their, like, friendship that happened from this.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. The following is a tentative timeline Greg has pieced together to try and make sense of it all. And okay. he's the first to admit this is this is just wild conjecture trying to piece together what they know. Right. On August 21st, 1955, a UFO crash lands near Kelly Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Dazed and confused from the incident, the occupants of the craft approach the Sutton's lonely farmhouse. When the family sees the creatures, they panic, firing their weapons and driving the quote-unquote goblins back into the forest. With the military retrieving the wreckage of their craft, the creatures seek refuge in the nearby cave, never to be seen again. Over the next decade, they begin to make a home underground, possibly after re- reconnecting with others of their kind, possibly in previously existing subterranean holds. Eventually, their network stretches hundreds of miles as far as North Carolina. In 1961, Ralph Lell makes contact with the creatures on Brown Mountain and brings a dead body home. In the <laughs> 1970s, Alan Greedfield leads to Brown, uh, heads to Brown Mountain to meet Lell and is approached by a man in black at his motel Room. The man goes out of his way to discredit Lael and disappears. In 1975, Vietnam, the Vietnam War ends and the mysterious Terry Rist is sent to infiltrate alien cave bases around the country with a black ops team tasked with extraterrestrial extermination. Their mission fails. In the 1980s, Ralph Lyle dies, his shop is bulldozed, and the body of the dead creatures goes missing, never to be seen again. In (laughs) late 2011, a rural home in eastern Kentucky is visited by the goblins. Now acclimated to their environment and living in the nearby Black Mountain, they no longer wear their suits or use their antenna-clad helmets. In early 2012, David contacts the local police to report the strange creatures terrorizing his home and frightening his children. The police shrug off his story, but through the department, Word reaches someone with a vested interest in the latest appearance of the goblins. Eventually, this man meets David, introduces himself as Terry Wrist, and suggests that David contact us. In June of... T- t- blah, blah, blah. In June of 2012, <laughs> David emails us and pleads for help. Over the next several weeks, David photographs the creatures and flees his home. We exchange exactly four emails before he goes silent. In October, 2012, Planet Weird tracks down the Brown Mountain Alien Cave Base with Micah Hanks. February, 2013, someone claiming to be Terry Wrist Terry emails me GPS coordinates for the Brown Mountain Base entrance might be disinformation. In May of 2015, I mailed a copy of Alien Legacy. The book is a catalyst for contacting Geraldine Sutton Stith and piecing together this timeline. In September 2015, I sent an email to David. It bounces. His account has been deactivated. Oh. In October 2015, Planet Weird finally heads to Hellier, Kentucky. Greg makes a final plea in the article to his Fortean colleagues. We're setting off on an initial stakeout in just a few weeks, he says. I realize that with all the talk about Men in Black and the nefarious undertones of the communications we've received, makes announcing our investigation plans a bit of a risk, but the possibility of going into this adventure with as much information as possible makes it a risk worth taking. It might sound extreme, but I've already set up instructions for a third party to act as a dead man's trigger. If something goes wrong, And we don't check in after a certain period of time. Every piece of information we have about the case from David's real name, our intended location, and the coordinates to the alien cave base on Brown Mountain will be dumped online with hard copies mailed to half a dozen of the best researchers we know in the fields of ufology, cryptozoology, and government conspiracies. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling, he says, things are going to get very interesting in the next few weeks. Stay tuned to find out what happens next. (laughs) (laughs) I urge our listeners to track down the fascinating, not to mention pretty slickly produced documentary series, Hellier Kentucky. It's worth the watch. Spelled H-E-L-L-I-E-R, Kentucky. Uh, If you don't know how to spell Kentucky, I have no help for you. Uh, it's worth the watch, and like I said, it's two seasons. Each okay. episode's about an hour long. Okay. Um, and it's you'll you'll meet Greg and several other people. You'll meet oh, this Micah so cool. guy in it, and it's uh, it's basically their their uh, take on it. it's all this what I have just told you and more. It goes on to like what happens when they go. Where you it Netflix uh, or I watched Amazon? it on YouTube. YouTube, okay. Uh, and I think that's I think it's okay to watch it on YouTube. I didn't. I mean, it didn't. It seemed like a pretty slick production, so it didn't seem like someone, it didn't seem like it was there illegally. Okay, Uh, But look for it, and the best way, make sure you're watching it legally, and please watch it, and of course, read the articles. Now, before wrapping this up, because I realize that's a pretty goddamn big loose end, because it's an ongoing story, I just want to leave our listeners with one last item to help put everything into perspective a little bit: a list of good reasons why traditional scientific exploration has yet to find intelligent extraterrestrial life, supposedly. First, there's the rare Earth hypothesis, which is pretty self-explanatory. It says that our planet is unique; intelligent beings came about only because Earth inhabiting uh, Earth inhabits the so-called Goldil- Goldilocks zone. It could also very well be that Earth is the only planet to have avoided cosmic Catastrophe is responsible for wiping out life on neighboring planets.
0: So far.
1: So far. (laughs) It's not like we're not Um, trying. Somewhat similar to this is the early bird hypothesis, we earthlings aren't necessarily the only intelligent life form out there, just the first and most advanced. Um, The Gaian bottleneck hypothesis comes care of a Dr. Adita Chopra, I don't think there's any relationship to Deepak Chopra, who posits that alien beings simply didn't evolve fast enough to circumvent the instability of their own planets, thus dying out before contact was possible. Uh, that may be one of us one day. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe our issue one day. The great silence hypothesis holds that advanced beings belonging to uh, what are referred to as type three civilizations on the Kar- Kardashev scale, which is, I won't go into detail deal about that, but it basically... Uh, type three civilization according to that uh, scale means that they are advanced enough to harness all the available energy in their galaxy and mm. use it now. Um, so according to this hypothesis, um creatures that advanced simply do not stoop to speak with simple earthbound, carbon-based non-entities like us. Right. We're just too insignificant. erstwhile and this is my there there's there's others, of course, the fact is that you know with like the 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 SETI telescopes or the radio signals that we're sitting out there to try to find things mm-hmm. like there are thousands and thousands of radio uh, frequencies that we have not touched yet because right. there's so many of them so it will take i mean a whole other order of magnitude of time until we can expect a return on the investment in that right. regard and also fucking there's a lot of space
0: there's a lot of space <laughs> we i feel like we, the
1: right now we can reach out i think reliably about 6 light years out yeah. from our gal our solar system yeah. which is not a lot um so that's a, that's an that's My theory a theory on the
0: like the ones that are so good they're too good to talk to us. Is there's always one asshole though that's like I'm gonna speak with the ants. Well,
1: who do, well, I mean, you know? who do you? I mean, so, how do we know that the, the little goblins weren't like renegades? Right, and, you know, they don't treat Earth like Australia.
0: Exactly. That,
1: that's like you know that's where like, that's send. where they go. That they send. That's where that we're, how do we're have, basically how getting do we that... some other hoity-toity planet's idea of undesirables.
0: Or, they were always underground. And they that left theory. and
1: there came back. Is, there is um, there is a I'll have to go into it uh, at some other time. But there is a, a mystic slash um, well he's just fucking mystic modern mystic. Um, what is his name? Rudolf Steiner. Um, Steiner Rudolf Steiner who um, had all sorts of things to say about this kind of thing. But in his in his cosmology aliens or the greys as they Mm -hmm. were being called by then um were not extraterrestrials they were in fact a sort of the modern incarnation of old world elementals
0: and they were earth spirits right yeah land spirits Um, yeah yeah which is why
1: because i mean yeah and he did a lot of digging to find like folkloric uh, references to creatures like that coming from underground places caves and whatnot now my favorite theory as to why we don't see aliens walking down the street is uh, comes from erstwhile president of the Royal Society, Lord, Lord Martin Rees. Uh, he thinks it's quite possible life forms on other worlds simply don't express as biological entities that we would recognize as having life. For all we know, aliens could be silicon-based or gaseous or sentient crystals Perhaps.
0: I like that. Sentient even crystals.
1: Even thought forms yes. that have independent shape and substance outside of a thinker and that appear to us, simple humans, directly or indirectly, as projections of our own unconscious. Oh. So, that, cool. in a <laughs> giant and winding mm-hmm. nutshell. <laughs> right, yeah. And that in an underground cave. In a giant 400 mile network of underground caves beneath Kentucky is. The latest wow. I have on the Kentucky guy, which has always been one of my favorite.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, it's a
1: weird story. story. So yeah. Oh my gosh! Whew. Did you get all that? Did you I follow did. it? Okay. I did follow it. It was, <laughs> it was a hell of a time trying yeah, to like put no. it all
0: Michael's into into that...
1: a simple like yeah. you know uh, just bit for our show because yeah. God knows I could we could do a whole fucking month long series on yeah. that thing. The two of us. Yeah. So, so
0: no, I, mean, I only one time I was like, you're going to have to slow that fucking shit down.
1: <laughs> hey, um, only one time. You only then, told me to slow down once. That's right. good. That's and progress.
0: So <laughs> what you were talking about the, you know, it was, they're actually land spirits, folklore mm-hmm. land mm-hmm, spirits, mm-hmm. really goes in directly to what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. which we can take a quick break. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yes. Back. Okay. Yes, yes. And we're back. We're back. We have okay. not as yet been visited by the men in black. Yet, I'm gonna but go they could be on their way. Oh God! Let's
0: Ding dong! The dogs will go crazy. Then they'll run away because they and don't wanna come do back, back and
1: be like, "Did you order a pizza?" And they're like, "They have like chicken." They
0: like you. They always do weird shit you. like that. Yeah. Like,
1: like, mm. Hey, uh, we hear you we, about like, your, we hear kind? about your show. Can we be on it? I'm like, no, you you can't. Oh, that's a shame well, let's go golfing. Like, it's, it's always yeah. some weird exchange. It's also, like...
0: If men in black come to our door and want to be on our show, they're going to be on our fucking show. Hell yeah. Record it right then. If the Get men in black... Get your ass over here, let's do this.
1: Look like Chris Hemsworth. Um, I he can, just... If you're listening, it might be... Z- <laughs> <laughs> if you are capable of looking like uh, Chris Hemsworth, I'll I'll pretty Sit much... Sit in your lap. I'll do whatever you want.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then my view would be Chris Hemsworth and you sitting in his lap. It'd be great. I'd, be <laughs> I'd enjoy seeing that. Um, okay. This episode has my specials. Uh, what I was thinking about is cryptids because of your stuff. So I was, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. I was looking at different types of cryptids, cryptids and I found this article. On playgroundequipment.com, because I've been talking to the girls about it. They left uh, today, Aww. so we did this after six we hours of driving. We miss them. We do. All right, I mean, we I don't, don't get know. to see them until June. It's so sad. No. But, um, well. We'll, you know, we talk and stuff, but still. Um, but we were talking about it, and I showed them this story about boogeymen across the world. And I different love it. Love it. cryptids that are used to terrify children into behaving.
1: And I love that this is, like, Bonding material. Yeah, we went over like, we They're went not scared. They're just sh- like, ooh, go on.
0: And they're like, are there other pictures of this? And so I was looking it up. Us. Yeah, it was great. It was, they were totally into it.
1: Gotta love those girls. So,
0: they're pretty great. They're pretty great. <laughs> so I got information from playgroundequipment.com, Wikipedia, of course, Mythology Wikia, and Alta Lang. Right. Great information. Okay. Sweet. So first we have the Babaroga. Babaroga. Not to be confused with a Baba Yaga. Not, or, it's a Babaroga. Or barbacoa. No. I'm hungry. Um, no. This is from <laughs> this is from Bosnia. A A Babaroga is a creature known among southern Slavs. She is represented as represented as a very ugly, hunchback old woman with a horn on her head who lives in dark caves. Oh, fuck a cave.
1: Mm, sounds like my third-grade teacher.
0: Right. Babaroga means old lady with horns. So, it's in the title.
1: <laughs> Truth <Turned> in advertising.
0: <laughs> okay, so according to folktales, Baba Roga likes to steal naughty children and take them to her lair. Ooh. Baba Roga may either, and this is, by the way, the one that Jack was the most frightened of. Uh, he yeah. doesn't like this one the most. <laughs> <laughs> Baba Roga may either snatch her victim and put them in a bag, dragging them to be her uh, to her cave to be devoured, or she may reach out and snatch a child through tiny cracks in the ceiling. So she reaches through the hole and pulls them through that tiny little hole.
1: You can't survive that.
0: Yeah, that's the point. Whatever oh. her tactic is, the outcome is almost always seen as a grisly demise Ooh. for her victim. So Ooh. the babaroga may that's come get That's some
1: Nightmare you. in Elm Street shit right I there. I know. Now we, oh all, we know about
0: the La Llorona. We've talked about La Llorona. Yeah, yeah, She's, the She's the woman who's killed her life. children and uh, the guy was really shitty and then she killed herself and now she looks for her children, and so in uh, Mexico. That's one version of the
1: story anyway. Right, one of the versions. So
0: in Mexico. She's a river dwelling
1: bitch in white looking for kids.
0: That's right. And so in Mexico and, you know, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, Uh parts uh of those areas, they'll say, watch out for La Llorona. If you're out too late, she'll come snatch you. And so these are all those types of things. Okay. Imagine
1: being a child and my parents telling me that. I'd be like, I hope she does. Right. She sounds nice.
0: Right. <laughs> she just wants her children back. Can't someone make a mistake? <laughs> um, so the next one is from Egypt. Please bear with me. It's the <laughs> Abu Rigal Masluka. And that means man with burnt skinned leg.
1: Oh. This is one
0: of the most terrifying stories for me,
1: personally. I'm I'm already freaking out.
0: And, like, the things that we tell our children are so fucked up. But it's just just be good. Okay, so this jerk monster started off as a human child. However, he was burnt and died because he refused to listen to his parents. Mm. Young, as a child. Mm. Now, he hunts down other naughty children who won't listen to their parents so he can cook and eat them. Which I guess seems the moral
1: like, of the story to parents here is that burning him didn't
0: it's not, change
1: the behavior. Like well, he, no, he, burnt, he still became he a bad didn't, kid.
0: They didn't burn him <laughs> for he misbehaving. Burned, yeah. He got into an accident and burned because he wouldn't listen to them.
1: Oh. Something
0: bad happened to him. And still, him the
1: karma for being a bad kid didn't make him a good kid. It didn't. It made him a worse thing.
0: It did, absolutely. And so <laughs> here's how you can... Tell he's around. Oh! Preceded by the smell of burned flesh, he appears as a horrifically disfigured, limping man. Oh! Yeah. Oh! So. Oh! Makes me think of the leper in it. Right. This yeah. is very similar. So if you're if you want to ch- terrify your children with a boogeyman from Egypt, that's that's the one for you. That one, oh uh, Serafina God. thought was the most terrified of that one. Right. The Morco Ooh. from Finland. The what? The what? Morco. 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 Uh, this ghoul just wants to be friends. <laughs> Ghouls he just also, wanna have fun. He looks shockingly similar to Grimace from the old McDonald's toys. Oh, Like, yeah, okay. I wanna see. <laughs> I was like, that looks, I'll show you. It just looks
1: like a giant gumdrop with he a happy looks face. looks like Grimace.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, so the embodiment of solitude and cold, he freezes the ground and kills the plants wherever he stands. As he mm. wanders Finland in search of warmth and connection, ice and snow leave a trail behind him. Aww. Unsurprisingly, his friendly overtures are always rejected. Festering alone in his frozen cave in the lonely mountains, his example strikes fear into the hearts of disobedient Finnish children. How to spot him? A hill-shaped ghost, Grimace. He looks like fucking Grimace. With <laughs> two cold, staring eyes and many white, shiny teeth. That just makes me sad. I he know. He just wants he to have friends. And people are
1: like, ew, you're cold. Go
0: away. But there's the lesson. If you're cold, and leave cold wherever you go. What if you can? You'll be alone me? in a cave. Fuck a cave. <laughs> El Cuco from Spain. El Cuco. Originally, a Portuguese dragon legend, the Cuca, or Cuco, depending, was brought to Brazil in colonial times as well as Spain. Uh, in the form of a terrifying lullaby. She is an ugly old woman who takes the form of a crocodile and steals disobedient children. She only sleeps once every seven years, allowing her to maintain near constant vigilance on the sleep patterns of all children. God. Which is very, very convenient for parents, if you ask me. (laughs) There's even a song in Portugal about it. Uh, What's more soothing... What's a more soothing melody to fall asleep to than sleep, little one? The kooka's going to get you.
1: Oh my god,
0: how to spot the kooka. But that's the thing, it
1: like kind of sounds like like a smart, like a smart ass kid, like i.e., me, would have been like, Well, that bench ain't got to sleep, but once every seven years, the fuck, I got to go to bed, right? And two, like if I'm awake, I can maintain my vigil against her. If I'm asleep, I'm fucking sitting duck, mom, dad, you are delivering me over to the enemy, you don't even know,
0: (laughs) right. It's yeah. just
1: like that's that's what that's the conversation. We'll get to we, parents delivering
0: someone to the enemy later. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: <clears throat> so, just saying, parents don't always think these stories out. Yeah, because I mean, the kids, you know, kids aren't developed enough to know.
0: Yeah, like to no. see through the
1: tricks. Yeah, just go. Okay, I'll go to sleep. And then, like, you get older, you are like, wait, wait a, a, a fucking minute! minute. That's bullshit! You are actually putting me in a worse situation. Right? I mean, my mom. <laughs> like, my mom always told me, "If this thing's me, real, you are fucking handing me right to it." Yeah,
0: my mom told me it was the alley rats.
1: The alley rats? Yeah, those so, are a thing. But
0: I thought she was saying alley cats, and I those never are also knew why I should be afraid because I didn't know what an alley rat was. But I've heard of alley cats—the cats that live in the alley, right? Right, right, right. right. Um, didn't really know much about rats when I was a kid, uh, but I thought, cause, but I always thought she was saying alley cats, and so I thought I, I, I feel like that would be great for the alley cats to come and get me because I love cats. But I guess I'll go to bed. It's crazy. Because I was supposed to be scared of it. I don't know. It was really weird. But anyway, okay.
1: I feel like parents should just warn them about real things. Just fucking wait. Just real things. Um, Because now I think the boogeyman, the fucking crazy ass boogeyman people come up with is vaccinations. Like, kids don't get a vaccination. Like, no, you fucking... Oh, don't get me started.
0: Sorry. No, no, it's all right. Okay, so back to the kooka. She looks like a crocodile. But either way, maybe just avoid putting small children around any untrustworthy wet reptiles.
1: (laughs) Oh, they're reptiles. They're all untrustworthy.
0: (laughs) <laughs> that would be all They're reptiles. Fucking reptiles. Yeah. Did you know
1: this is fucked Snake up? Snake lovers, I mean,
0: and, don't you fucking write us. I don't care.
1: Dude, you know this is true. This is absolutely true. Like snakes are such a deep-seated fear in most creatures that aren't reptiles. I don't just mean mammals. I mm-hmm. mean fowl mammals. You name it. That's Kitty-cats not a reptile. Sure. Yeah, snakes are such an inborn fear that chickens, for example, are fucking hardwired genetically to respond. Like, in such, like, okay, you can watch videos of this. People just, like, force a chicken with their beak down to the ground, and Mm -hmm. if you draw a line from their beak to somewhere out in front of them, they will not fucking move until that (gasps) line is erased. It is like they are mesmerized by it. Because they are apparently, biologists believe that they are, and behaviorists believe that they are programmed to play dead when when something like a snake is around. Oh, So you can completely hypnotize a fucking chicken by... By holding it down and just drawing a fucking line in front of it, right. it's fucked up. First Look though, it up; it's crazy. It's absolutely have to real.
0: Catch the chicken. First.
1: That's the hard part. Yeah. But if you want um, to keep it, that's what you do. So all that is to say, like that's how that's how that's how long reptiles have been the enemy for us. Yeah. Because they are. They're fucking are. They don't share anything right. in I'm common sure with us. And I'm
0: sure your snakes and your lizards and your dragons, your Komodo dragons, whatever. I'm sure you love them, and they're all wonderful don't send us your letters. I don't care. Okay. They're fascinating
1: <laughs> creatures, they but they're are. not they're not you can't read them emotionally. They
0: don't have emotion. Gosh, the one was a nature show where there's all the the little dragons running and then the snakes are getting them Ah! Ah!
1: Okay. So they just think give me the give me the willies.
0: Uh Callista would like me to point out that if you take out the eye in crocodile, the kooka is a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say that that
1: kid's gonna be all right <laughs> she's, gonna be she's never she's not gonna be snatched by any crazy right. old hag no, reptile she's woman she's
0: not she's not about that shit okay <laughs> the, babas. the babas b-a-u-b-a-s it's from lithuania oh, an oh. evil spirit who was already inside your home
1: Well, goddamn.
0: I know, the Lithuanian. (laughs) The call is coming
1: from inside the house. Yeah,
0: this Lithuanian equivalent of the boogeyman lives under carpets, in closets, and in dark corners where he can hear everything children say and watch every mistake they make. What does he look like? He has long, skinny arms, wrinkled fingers, and burning red eyes. What does he do? He harasses misbehaving children by pulling at their hair. Well, that's a little. I know he's terrifying. Anticlimactic. I mean, he's he looks very terrible. much like an elongated version of the girl from the ring. Terrifying. Right?
1: Ew. Terrifying. Ew. Wet, gross
0: hair. Blah blah blah. Sounds like maybe he should mind I his own like... fucking
1: business. I'm just saying. Like, yes,
0: yeah. but he just, these are he does, not, he's just not good No, not good Pull your pull your hair a little bit. So like, just put out a get, brush. Get the fuck out of my house. Put out a brush. Put out some hair clips, and let's see what he does. <laughs> maybe he just needs a job, and maybe that maybe job is to break be a stylist.
1: If you misbehave.
0: You're going to get a braid. <laughs> You're <laughs> going to get a French braid. Give,
1: well, the baba will give you an ombre. <laughs> <laughs> I need me. I need a baba.
0: Okay. Next, we have the Baba Yaga officially, which oh, is from Russia. This
1: is one that got me as a kid.
0: Yeah, it's perhaps Russia's most famous folk character. This witch lives deep in the woods in a hut that is always turning around on its huge chicken legs, surrounded by a fence yeah. made of human bones.
1: That hut missed leg day. That's
0: right, it is, it's true.
1: <laughs> cows are so
0: terrifying for something with such weak calves. I
1: mean, you think of being able to hold up a house and have better quads, right. but you know what you nope. gonna do.
0: negative. It is to be noted that the Baba Yaga never goes looking for victims unprovoked, they must knock on her door first. Why would anyone do such a thing? Because Baba Yaga is a powerful ally, Mm -hmm. and if you complete the tasks she sets you, she always keeps her promises. Not to mention she has three servants, the day, the sun, and the night, who are riders on enormous horses, white, red, and black, she is a figure of ambiguous intent, sometimes a maternal representative of justice, other times an evil villain with a huge appetite for cooking people in her enormous oven. She is the witch. She's complicated. And Hansel and Gretel. She is. Hansel?
1: She is, uh, she is. I, but she's older. Uh, but she's the Hansel older. and Gretel story, I think, predates the Baba Yaga legend by quite a few centuries, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And then, like, the, the brothers Grimm were like, Chicken feet? That makes no sense. Just make it a gingerbread hut.
0: Right, yeah. That like, no makes just, sense. They want to uh, eat the I house. Let's wish give I could have
1: been in that board meeting.
0: Yeah. Like, How look, spot.
1: chicken feet aren't gonna just, it's not gonna read to our audience here yeah. in Germany. Let's just make it uh, Let's make it fucking, let's make the house out of candy. Come on, yeah. come on.
0: Um, I think that Warner Brothers really captured her image well. Uh, she has a bony, ancient hag with iron teeth and a nose so long it touches the ceiling when she sleeps. Catch her flying around through the sky in a giant, Mortal and pestle, because yeah. she's not like your mortar average and mortar, mortar and, pestle. and pestle. She's not a bitch that's he, gonna fly around slipped. on you a boom. You were like boom. mortal and pestle. Mortar and pestle. Yeah,
1: she's just riding a mortal, a mortal, beating them with a
0: Pestle. mortar and pestle, but not.
1: It's weird. It looks like I always thought of the always thought it was a butter churn because that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah. And, and, and like pestle. the older, like giant ones, but it's really weird.
0: Uh, yeah. She's not going to do a broom though. She's in a mortar and pestle. Uh, she's, yeah. she's just really she's into like, like she's got work to do. crushing her own spices. Like
1: it's... <laughs> she's the hipster
0: witch. <laughs> um, she's also known to travel around with death and eat the souls of her victims. I mean, yeah. You know. And his victims and deaths as well.
1: Right, you gotta, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do.
0: Yes. Next is from Lancashire. 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 La. People made fun of me for pronouncing it Lancashire. the way that I was told to pronounce Lancashire. it. Lancashire.
1: Lancashire. 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 I think it's like almost like an "eh" sound.
0: Lancashire. Lancashire.
1: Lancashire.
0: Lancashire cat. <laughs> England. It's from England.
1: Oh, the Lancashire cat. The 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 giant pumas. Pumas.
0: No, that's not what it is. I'm oh, okay. just added cat oh because i don't fucking know say, so. <laughs> no i think you know oh, like
1: the cheshire no yeah. i get it sorry 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 uh, i'm still stuck on baba yaga right now
0: it's all right we're, we're gonna move on to jenny green teeth
1: jenny go oh. Is she yeah. related? She She's sounds like English she one. sounds like she might be related.
0: She, this cruel hag is also known as Ginny, Jeannie, or Wicked Ginny, depending upon which part of England you're swimming in. While she is an <laughs> equal opportunity murderer and is liable to drown both young and old in the dark waters of her home, she prefers young children when selecting victims. Oh. Next time you enter murky, stagnant water and feel some river fronds, brush your feet. I don't know what that is. Um, it's most likely <laughs> green tea. It's pro- like seaweed. Plants. It's
1: like like river seaweeds, plants. Yeah. Plants below river the water. River fronds,
0: river weeds. River fronds. Brush your feet. It's most likely green teeth's hair, ready to tangle you up and never let go. <clears throat> Parents use the story to scare children away from playing in deep water.
1: Now, that's just wise.
0: That's. I Jenny has a green complexion, hair made of water plants, and razor sharp teeth. Uh, to chomp ah, uh, uh, you with. Ah.
1: I think I'm going, that made think of uh, Bobby Aga in one incarnation that they said to have metal teeth.
0: Delper Ooh. chew bones.
1: Delper yeah. chew like well, bones I mean, and, that's, flesh and stuff.
0: Read that one. That's the next one.
1: Uh, oh, uh, um, uh, Bonhomme Septeur.
0: Bonhomie Scepter from Quebec. Quebec. Whatever you fucking want to I've say. I've always said Quebec. Quebec, Quebec. Okay, so, so it's,
1: oh, so it's French Canadian, so it'd be uh, it'd be uh, um, Bonhomme
0: Yeah, it looks like Bonhomme is. Yeah, yeah, that's what it
1: looks like. That's how it's pronounced here in the states.
0: Right. If it's in Louisiana, I'm sure that's how Bonhomme, uh, the French Canadian boogeyman, is a very punct is very punctual. His name literally means the man of seven o'clock. Ooh. This is a common boogie. A man with a big coat and a big sack filled with children. This one enters the bedroom of a child who is supposed to be sleeping to check to see if they're still awake. All children who made it into the sack were said to be beaten and never returned to their families. So it's kind of like get in the sack or be put in the sack with other children and get murdered.
1: I feel like a lot of parents invent boogeymen just so they can have a date night.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's another one, La Ombre. there's something, it's a Mexican one that's also a man in a sack. There's another origin story for his name, which I found very interesting, dating back to French-Canadian communities in the 1800s. Mm. Most people did not receive uh, more than an 8th grade education, and finding quality medical care was difficult. (laughs) Where educated doctors were not available, folk healers were consulted, which is fine. Mm. They did a great job, actually.
1: There's things they could do.
0: Yeah. One such figure is the bone setter who Uh, would reset out-of-place bones to help them heal properly. This was painful work before the invention of anesthetics. Mm. Children could hear screaming of victim patients and fear the visits of this man. Parents used this to their sadistic advantage, (laughs) threatening a visit from the bone setter if they did not sleep when they were supposed to. God. It is possible that the French translation of the word bone setter could have turned into the phrase... Bon ami. Bon ami. Sept. Bono There's ami so many letters in there. Okay, <laughs> it sounds similar, but it has a different meaning in French. Uh, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. But they sound similar. Uh, and I'm like, but then what bone happens- Bone man setter. Right. <laughs> but then what happens if the kid breaks his arm or leg? I'm or sure something? that's what it
1: started at. There were probably, probably sensible parents going, do you hear that screaming? That'll be you if you don't start fucking around on that tree. Yeah. You're gonna fall down and break your fucking bone, and if you don't die, that guy's gonna have to come and fucking hurt you yeah. just to fix you. And so that became like- Do you like, hear that?
0: Do you remember that guy screaming earlier? I'm going to call the bone center yeah. to come fix you. And it you became the
1: thing. It. Yeah. It became like a thing of like, yeah, it became not just getting in that tree. It's like, go to fuck up. If you don't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't do what I say. Yeah, right. Parent, man, parents got to do what they got to do. I mean, I don't approve, but I guess I understand they're in kind of a situation of their own. Yeah.
0: So an old, it's, it's had a spot, an old man with a huge coat and hat, carrying a sack large enough to accommodate children who have stayed up past their bedtime. Uh, yeah. And the other thing though, too, with, parents doing this is there's a lot of culture there. If they've been told it, the parents been told it, their parents' parents, uh, parents. Yeah. Uh, the girls told me that their grandfather will tell them that there's a man who will come put them in a bag if they don't go to sleep. I'm like, it's a lie. <laughs> they were like, it's a lie. It was great. It was very, we bought it's it. It's a lie.
1: We all know it's a woman in a chicken foot hut. That's
0: right. We talked about which ones were the scariest ones.
1: For
0: <laughs> the um, Nalusa Falaya, or Nalusa Falaya, it's Choctaw mythology. The mm. Nalusa Falaya or long black being is a boogeyman from Choctaw legend who is also called the Impa Sheila or Soul Eater. Shout out to the enemy. He is somewhat similar to Bigfoot as he is described as a hairy man-like creature with a wizened face, small eyes, and pointed ears. Some describe him as slithering on his stomach like a snake. These creatures call to unwary travelers in the woods. He sometimes frightens hunters. Seeing a Nalusafalaya is said to be so horrifying that it will cause one to faint. While unconscious, the Nalusafalaya transfers some of his own evil into his victim, making the victim aggressive and malevolent. Oh, I kind of like that. That's cool, right? So it's like if you get it, then you will be bad, too. Like,
1: yeah. Oh, you're going to get a little... Ooh, I like that. I like possession motifs.
0: Yeah. So, okay, my favorite one is next. I almost want to save it for the end, but I don't want to not talk about it. So, the <laughs> Namahage, N-A-M-A-H-H-A-G-E. Yeah, Namahage. Yeah, namahage from, namahage from Japan. Yeah. Yes. So, this terrifying demon-like deity has, in 2018, made the United Nations intangible cultural heritage list. <laughs> Wearing ogre or devil masks and wielding huge knives... Namahage go from house to house shouting, Are there any crying or badly behaving children? <laughs> Invariably, the answer is yes, and often the tears start before they ever get inside oh. because ominous drumbeats herald their arrival. What about the parents? Do they protect their children? <laughs> no! Fuck. They welcome them graciously with a special meal and sake, and the ritual acts as a blessing and invites good fortune for the region. So this is a fucking festival situation. (laughs) Please watch a video. It's kind of like the Krampus. Yeah, but this is, it is next level fuckery.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: there are these grown men in terrifying masks that come up
1: there's there's
0: mm. and there's one video that I saw there's a group of people so it's like almost a festival they're in a parking lot though so it's like a scheduled thing that everybody has to do kid like there are children toddlers probably up to fifth fifth 5 years old right uh-huh. these monsters scream at them and there's these drums beating and they have these big knives and the parents Give the child to the monster.
1: <laughs> now I'm laughing because I'm a bad person.
0: It's so awful. And then, like, okay, so it's like when you give a child to sit in Santa's lap, and that child starts crying because Sa- they don't know Santa, and it's scary. Right, right. So there's already they don't know
1: who they're it like, is, What the fuck's going but then on? It's a
0: fucking monster. And if you watch it, they're saying to them, "Are you gonna be?" You can just tell her, "Like, are you gonna be good? Are you gonna listen to your parents? Are you gonna be?" Because the kid's just like. Just crying, like <laughs> horrified. <laughs> Meanwhile, their parents are cracking up watching them. <laughs> I'm it is, I'm just thinking about I mean, I,
1: it. I would never do this to my kid, no, but, I'll but I would watch totally do it to people. someone else's kid. <laughs> <laughs> we watched kinda, those
0: videos, and this is what, this is like, kind of what happens, "What is wrong with those parents?"
1: This is what happens on on Krampusnacht. It's yeah. a very similar concept where these these people, usually guys, it's like a whole troop of people yeah. that will be like, it's usually five or six. Uh, there's like two or three Krampuses of people that like they make these masks. Like it's a heritage craft mm-hmm. where like they make these wooden masks or sometimes it's from yeah, bone, it depends on there. And it's like the artistry is profound. They're, and they're hideous, they're grotesque yeah. as hell and really fucking cool. And they will go house to house in some areas in, yes, in Eastern thing. Europe. And uh, there's this whole thing where like Saint Nicholas, whoever's playing Saint Nicholas, and it's like Santa Claus, but dressed as the Saint, like the Bishop of Myra. Right. So it's like the more kind of stuffy version of him. And he basically goes and his job is to be there with the Krampuses or the Krampi, in, in tow mm-hmm. and, and they're in the house, they're in the kitchen and the kids are sitting at the table and the adults are kind of off in the corner going, you, you do what St. Nicholas says. And St. Nicholas quizzes them on like Bible verse. Oh jeez, and shit like that, and ask them if they've been good, and if they're good, he's like got a back He'll give them a little gift out of this bag he's got, and it, but the whole time these fucking Krampuses, these demons in like full hair suits and the horns yeah, and everything, same. it's full you know suits. are are yeah are behind him, held by a chain, and like they're just keep like yeah. lurching forward, like they're just they can't wait to get at this fucking kid, and the kid is like kind of crying, but it's not allowed to like take. So it would be shelter. like that
0: if the parent then delivered the child to that's the Krampus. That's kind of what they do in they, some cases. They'll they, take yeah. if, if there's like a Krampus
1: him. parade going outside, yeah. they will take the kids out and like thrust the kid at the Krampuses as they're coming by. Yeah, and the Krampuses guys, will be like, yeah. These guys, they pick up these
0: kids and like it's yell so, at them and <laughs> blah, 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 like, and the kids like, ah! That's
1: exactly, the Krampuses they too, back. they'll and like, they'll rattle, they'll rattle their switches yeah. and their chains and make all this ungodly noise. Like it's terrifying. Right,
0: and meanwhile, all of the parents and kids that are old enough to know are cracking the yep. shit up, same like, thing. It was. I mean,
1: it's it's, it's interesting to see it this was cr- across different cultures. People that's right. just love scaring I guess, the shit out of kids.
0: I guess then, if something, it's like you promised that you would behave. <laughs> Do I need to call him again? Yeah. To talk to you. Yeah. You made a promise. Then maybe I guess it works. But I
1: guess but you learn about
0: terrifying. promises. <laughs> maybe <laughs> even if you're scared, don't make a promise you can't keep. <laughs> Okay, so God. moving on. That was <sighs> it was.
1: It, I'm not gonna lie, I don't want to raise my kid like that, but it sounds like I'm missing out on some fun.
0: I know it doesn't.
1: Look, <laughs> it's terrible, but it did look
0: like a lot of fun. I mean, she thought it was so rude, and Serafina, who's the older one, uh, she thought it was hilarious. So
1: that, that tells you a lot about those girls. Yeah.
0: yeah. So <laughs> One's like, um, rude. So rude. Uh, from the Caribbean, we have the Sucuyant. Ooh. in Dominica. Trinidad and Tobago, St. Lucian, and across the Caribbean, Caribbean, I can say it, Caribbean, depending upon what you say, as well as parts of Louisiana and Haiti, this witch pulls off her skin at night and flies through the sky as a fireball looking for victims. Mm. She can enter the home through any tiny crack or keyhole, and she will suck the victim's blood while they sleep. Not all victims die. Some are left with blue marks, while others become sukuyants in turn. To protect yourself, you must place bowls of rice around the house. The sukuyant has to count every grain of rice before she can enter. <laughs> so de- she has OCD. Yes, yeah. yeah, she's very, yeah. To destroy a sukuyant, salt must be poured over the mortar where she stores her skin. Uh. Uh, how to spot. While the original folk story described a reclusive old woman with a skin condition, over time this occupation has been less limited to the elderly. Today, any female can be accused of being a (laughs) succuillante. Accuse me, I'll accept it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Belize, the Tata Duende. The guardian angel of all animals and people of the forest. He is a kind creature by nature and often feeds and protects people hurt or lost there. That just sounds nice. I know. A friend to animals, he does punish those who kill more game than they need. So he's actually nice. I
1: like this guy. Um, I like him. We could be friends. He's often
0: sighted when it rains and during Lent. Most sightings also occur at night. A whistling sound signals he may approach, and because he is a trickster, which is how people can get scared of him, you should be really worried when the whistle sound is distant, because that means he's close by. Ah, love it. Mm. Uh, Leshy, Eastern Europe, Russia. In Slavic mythology, the leshi is the forest spirit. They enjoy playing tricks on people, though when angered can be terrifying and murderous. Rarely sighted, their laughter and whistling re- resonates through the forest, where they are as tall as trees, As soon as they step outside of their native forest, they shrink to the height of a blade of grass. They have the ability to imitate the voices of a traveler's loved ones, Mm. and will cry out to get their victims to wander deeper into thickets or caves. (sighs) That's (sighs) creepy.
1: That's so creepy, that's so cool.
0: Stories also exist of accidentally murderous Leshy who didn't know when, (laughs) when enough fun was enough and tickled their victims to death. Oh! Which after reading this out loud, in my house, all of a sudden I felt four little hands tickling me. <laughs> well, um, you're leshy! I fucking know uh, it! Leshy <laughs> girls. If you're ever lost in a Russian wood, sit wood. don't go. Uh, sit under a tree <laughs> and put oh th- I love this. I forgot about this. I love this. If you're ever lost in a Russian wood, sit under a tree and put your clothes on backwards, including your left shoe on your right foot. The leshy will be deeply impressed and stop playing tricks on you. <laughs> that's all it takes. So like, she'll be like... That person's about their fucking business. I like it. I <laughs> respect it. I'm is moving like, on.
1: He is 100% him. Yep, Leave that's him right.
0: be. I respect that. <laughs> uh, the she looks like a man, though with very pointy head and without eyebrows, eyelashes, or a bright ear. Mm. From Algeria, we have the Hawawa. Spelled H-apostrophe-A-W-O-U-A-H-O-U-A. <laughs> H- Hawawa, which howawa. we believe is what you say when you see it. Hawawa? <laughs> <coughs> you get this? Howawa, howawa, howawa. This one's crazy. A monstrous chimeric monster made of different animal parts with flaming eyes. This is known for eating children alive. <gasps> While it isn't attractive enough to lure children to their deaths, it makes up for it with a good old fashioned agility. Algerian parents warn children not to walk alone at night or risk being scooped up and gulped down. The huaua has the tail of a scorpion, one leg from a donkey, and another from a panther. The claw of a lobster as a right hand. Okay. The hand of a monkey for the left. The chest of a turtle. What? I'm not done. (laughs) The horns of a mountain goat. The face of an ape. And the eyes, a flaming spit. So just flaming I mean, it eyes.
1: sounds like a refrigerator drawing.
0: It's very intense. This creature, I can't even picture it in my head. I had to look up, look it yeah, up. Yeah, I'm
1: like, I'm just, yeah, I'm. Its picturing- hair
0: is poisonous snakes, waiting to strike anyone in range, and it wears a coat of patched together scraps of clothing from children it has devoured. Wow. Some stories say the scraps are clothing of clothing are just skins. <laughs>
1: It's like the Pangea of creatures.
0: And then, yeah, if you've had time to note all of these details about the Hawawa, mm-hmm. you're probably already in.
1: <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. oh, look, it has the colon of a tiger.
0: That's right. Last but not least, from Ireland, we have the <sighs> Abhartok.
1: Abhartok. Abhartok. I've just ab- noticed. Ab- I Abhar- want
0: to say.
1: Abhartok.
0: Abhartok. Ab- um This is a vampire wizard dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> Which is gonna be my next D&D character. The
1: vampire for sure. wizard dwarf.
0: Vamp- uh what's your character gonna it's be? I'm enough. a vampire wizard you dwarf. You
1: know what? It's in this day and age, you gotta diversify. That's right.
0: It's an erstwhile warlord with the power to rise from the grave and wreak havoc. In some versions of this myth, the creature drinks the blood of his victims the blood of his victims. Blood. Leading some academics to believe that it was this monster who inspired Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ah. I said Stroker. Can't say Bram Stoker <laughs> the first time ever. It's always Bram Stoker.
1: <laughs> I mean, Can't, you help know, it. Can't help myself. He was a warm-blooded man. <laughs> That's he... right.
0: Uh, the only way to fight back is to kill him with a sword made from yew wood, bury him upside down, surround the grave with thorns, and place a large stone slab on top of it.
1: Well, that'll take care of a lot of things, actually. Yeah. Not just these things. That's
0: true. Um, uh, how to spot him? You look for a short, undead Irish warlord with dark magical <laughs> powers in a serious Napoleon complex. Simple, Easy. simple. It's there in the title. It's right there. Are you dead or undead? Are Unde- you? Are, are you? you an Abhartak, How do you say that? At
1: the risk of sounding presumptuous, are you a diminutive uh, undead <laughs> warlord with powers?
0: Are you a vampire wizard dwarf?
1: You're like, and they're they're like, no, I'm 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 a little person, and I'm just knitting.
0: It's like I feel very guilty now for assuming. Are you even <laughs> either? Yeah, you should be. Um, and so those <laughs> that was are fun. some of the boogeymen so across the
1: world. What is the weirdest boogeyman you can remember being told about as a kid? Like,
0: well, I mean the alley cats. The alley because cat. Thing. I didn't understand why I should be scared of them. I really wanted to be eaten, by or but not really eaten, but it was stolen by the alley cats. I was like, that sounds great. That's
1: really cool. Uh, yeah, I'll be a cat person. No, because then you'd be in cats.
0: Well. It'd be oh. a jellicle
1: cat. That's gonna be. I promise you. That's gonna, I be, like, acid, this gonna so be. I never did acid, so I don't think is, I'd be right for that. This is gonna be this generation's like. I had a friend call me. And she's like, cat.
0: "You have to go see cats." I was like, "Really?" And she's like, "Yes." I went. What you need to do first is have uh, twelve oh. drinks and then get real high, and then go see it. And I was like, "All right,
1: I'm down for this."
0: Thank you for instructions. So we should do that.
1: <laughs> Some movies are, look just seem really nonsensical until mm-hmm. you realize, oh, they're kind of like the cinematic equivalent of a magic eye painting. You just you're just looking at it the wrong way, and you're like, "Oh, it's a ship." <laughs> I found Waldo. <laughs> I, I don't Swear know. I haven't seen it yet. I did, see, movie. I did see. I did see, really quickly. I just want to plug this movie because I went to go see Knives. Knives. I
0: want to see it. So, so bad. fucking
1: good. I will see it with you again. Okay. Like it okay, is good. We should
0: do that. So fucking good. I want to see it. So, so bad.
1: good. I can't tell you a thing about it except that it was amazing and it's. It's so well done. Every yeah. fucking thing about it works. Like, there's not a there's not a loose end. There's not a performance that doesn't kick ass. It, mm-hmm. It's just... It's that's great. probably one of the best movies I've seen in 10 years.
0: I want to see it so bad. Yeah, um, so fucking um, I'll cool. plug a, a video game that we played with the girls, and they loved it. Like, it is a bring-the-family-together type of video game. Ah. You can't <clears throat> not scream, so just keep that. And, and that's not just your children. That will be you as well. It is <laughs> called Gang Beats... And it's a like a fighting game.
1: Gang beats.
0: Gang beats. And so everybody gets to choose what kind of wobbly gobbly figure they are. <laughs> and then you get outfits for it. And then you wrestle each other and you can kick and you can hit them with your head yes. and you can punch and you can gra- grab hold. And the point is to punch somebody and get a, and knock them out of a ring or off a cliff or whatever, Yeah. a hot air balloon, and it, it's impossible.
1: Like you win
0: by luck, there's skill there too, but it is like so. It's
1: just, it's like simple, like just pure fun with no hard feelings because, like, no one has any control over their win or lose
0: exactly. Like, you can do better and whatever, but uh, (laughs) the you know, the girls would regularly kill us and they thought it was hilarious. So, especially Jack, (laughs) especially being that's you turn them
1: like, if you beat me at this game one more time, the fucking wizard dwarf vampire is gonna come oh, right put you in his sack get, and right, get ready hand you it. to baba yaga here's
0: what happened when we were playing though is uh I, my strategy is to stay out of it <laughs> you're so a pacifist i'm pa- i just stay out of it until there's only one or two left because what happens is you never you'll slip you'll fall you'll get knocked out and just fall <laughs> off the edge the bottom will fall <laughs> out from underneath you like it's just the most random stuff and so i'll just try to like stay to the back until they <laughs> k- either all kill themselves, <laughs> so all three of them die, or um, it's down to one and then I'll fight the one. So I won like three games in a row. <laughs> and then- I like the, the last, lesson that teaches. The last game they they all ganged up on me. Jack was especially aggressive about killing me. It's <laughs> like, this is very hateful. So-
1: like, Try staying pretty, out of this one. <laughs> maybe that's why I like it. It's the only time
0: I could- Beat Jack in a video game, but the girls felt the same way. It was, but it's so much fun. I That's highly great. recommend it. Um, uh, yes. I'm sure everybody already knows, but it's new to me. I've
1: never it was heard really, it really really oh fun.
0: Really really fun. This is great. Yeah, and frust- <laughs> it can be frustrating too. It's like I don't know how this works. But once you get over it, it's just like I got punch <laughs> and I'm going kick. Oh my god! All of that stuff. So, one, oh my god, the one of the highlights was one. Seraphina constantly killed herself because she was jumping and being silly. And then she would just jump off a cliff. And it's like, what are, what are you doing? And then Callista <laughs> would dress as... She's the six-year-old. She would dress up her character as an old grandma. Mm-hmm. And then whenever she'd fight, she'd be like, oh, you think you're going to mess with grandma? You're not ready for grandma. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> oh, yeah, you think you're ready for grandma. Oh, Grandma's going to take you out. It was just like... And then we'd all laugh, and and That's she would so, win because that sounds she was making this up. It was really fun. That sounds fucking great. We had great. the best time. We, ah. did, we played that for like three or four hours yesterday. Yes. So before they left, they had a good send off, and um. Fancy. But we'll have it for when they come back. Yes. They loved it, and kids young can play. So you don't yes. have to know. Like you, a lot of times, you, there's a challenge, especially if they're really young, because they can't read and they don't can't follow the directions. But you know, this one's pretty easy to catch on. Callista can read, so she, but. She was great at it that's six, (laughs) killing us all. But
1: challenge accepted. I want to play and get murdered.
0: It's so fun and ridiculous. But yeah. Anyway, so. Well,
1: thank you for that. No, no, thank you. Well,
0: Well, you're welcome.
1: I haven't (laughs) decided what I'm going to do next week yet, but I want to. Of it, but I'm, I'm, kind of on this, I'm kind of on this weird, you know, creatures 40 of kick thing. I love a good ghost story, but right. whatever I can find like both in the same story.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. All right. so it was good to be,
1: get, get back in the, the, the research thing. I, I know. Like we had a chance to really, because yeah. the holidays.
0: Yeah, was so busy, so it was nice
1: to get back in. But yeah, yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, appreciate Thanks you, so and hope that your twenty twenty is off to a rip roaring start. Absolutely, and that it uh, it gets great and stays great. It stays great, and. Um... Yeah, keep sending in your submissions. God knows we need them. Thank you again, on. Paige, for the opener. That's for this right, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, what else you got to say?
0: Um,
1: Usually, I'm do- I'm sorry, I just started to do no, the closing. I'm like, G- that's what you do. Like, I was like, I'm just gonna do it this time. I like it's turning it.
0: over new leaves. That's I enjoy. You get to do it. New year,
1: year, new me. Yay! No, that's I'm gonna stop. All right.
0: Well, on that note, remember, it's, it's okay, okay to sleep with the, the lights, lights on. on.